Today we're kicking off a new series, like Nathan said, called Faith for Amazing. And this morning I'm kind of trying to set the table for that and just get some of the things ready and we'll get into more specifics as time goes on and as we go through this series. But this morning the, the title of the message is Living for the True, Living the True Abundant Life. Do you know that God's got great things for you? Like, do you know that? Do you really know that? Like, I know sometimes we can't feel that. But do you know it? I hope by the end of today, you will. And I hope by the end of this morning that we're prepared for it. I was thinking about this idea of being prepared, and I was wondering, like, how many times does God want to do something for us? Or does he have a plan or something, but we're not ready for the opportunity? Like, how often do we miss out? Not because God isn't up there providing opportunity, but we're down here not paying attention. And it got me thinking about my son. He is so, he's seven years old. He is so into American Ninja Warrior right now, it's ridiculous. Like for the last six, eight months, this has been his world. Like any second he has, it's, Dad, can, can I go on YouTube and watch Ninja Warrior videos? And he'll watch the same ones over and over again. And he knows how they'll end and he doesn't care because he's just so into it. And then he'll, he'll go out in the backyard and try to, climb things and we send him out there because he tries to climb things in the house and we only have eight foot ceilings so there's not very high to climb and he's also tearing things apart and so I I borrowed the uh the monkey bars that a couple people had built a couple years ago for a activity we did out back and brought them home borrowed is the Christian way of saying I stole them from church because they weren't <laughs> being used so I took them home and I set them up in our little backyard and they dominate the backyard and He's climbing these things like crazy. And then he says, Dad, can we get these bars? I don't just want to climb monkey bars. Like, I want to swing from things. I said, all right, we'll get those. And so he bought them on Amazon. And we went and these little trapeze bars, whatever. I go and I put them up because, you know, I'm thinking he'll grab one and swing and grab the next one. He said, no, no, Dad. No, no. Spread them apart. I want to be able to fly from one to the next. So they need to be far enough apart that I can't reach them. So the only way I get them is to, to swing as best I can, just like they do on Ninja Warrior. And I said, okay. So I spread them apart, and they're a pretty good distance apart. And he gets them no problem. He starts saying, Dad, they got to be further. And I said, buddy, they can't go much further. You're going to run into the swing set. Like, you're going to run to the other side of the yard if we go much further. Plus, your sisters cannot play on these if, there's, if they're further. Well, he doesn't care. And I said, we got to compromise somewhere. So we put some rings in between for the girls to use too. He's so into this Ninja Warrior thing. Like, if you know him, if you don't know him, don't ask him this. But if you know him, you should check out his hands. Maybe don't. He might be upset about it. His hands are like little man hands. Like, they are so calloused. that They're manlier than mine, which I know doesn't say much because I work at church. Um, I have some nice guitar finger blisters right here. So, you know, those calluses are pretty tough. But other than that, his hands, every single joint on his knuckles has got these little, little calluses on him. And, like, he's working. So my wife found this Ninja Warrior gym that you can go to. That's a thing. And uh, so they went up there a couple weeks ago. And, you know, it was a free tryout. Just, just see what they do and see if you're interested in joining and being a part of it. So they went up there, and after an hour and a half, then she came home, and so I, was, I called her on the way home. I said, how'd it go? She goes, he loved it. And I said, big surprise, right? Shocker. And then she goes, yeah, the coaches said they want him to be on the competitive team. <laughs> and again, I said, big surprise. Like, 
And I, and I don't say that because, you know, he's a christener and we're great at everything, although we are. And I don't say that because I'm his dad and I'm super proud of him, which I am. I say that because the boy has been working his tail off to be ready for that opportunity. Now, he didn't know that's what he was working for. He was just playing. He was just having fun. He was just doing what he likes to do. But when the moment came, he was ready for it. This last week, he came back and he said, Dad, I did the double steps. It's like climbing stairs, but like the bottom side of stairs and you, and you climb it up or whatever. He said, they said I was the youngest kid to ever do that. And again, I thought, big surprise. Like, he, he would, you know, and then this last time he was working on the salmon ladder, you know, the salmon ladder with the bar, and he only got one up, up, up on one of them, but like, he's just doing new things each and every time because he's pushing himself and he's challenging himself, but all of that has to do with, he was prepared for it. Now, the problem is his father is not prepared to pay for it all. <laughs> So we'll see how we navigate that. If you're interested in sponsoring a seven-year-old on a competitive Ninja Warrior team, you let me know. We'll put your name on the back, the sleeve, the front. We'll, we'll talk about it. we got all kinds of opportunities for you. But I'm so excited for him. I'm so excited to see how long this lasts and what, what he does and to go to a couple competitions that are hopefully local and don't take up my whole weekend. But he was prepared. So the question for all of us today is, are you prepared for the great things that God has for you? Are you ready for it? Are you working actively to prepare yourself for it? And the first question that we have to ask when we think about God wanting abundant life for you is, do you believe it? And that's your first blank in your notes, is do you believe that to be true? Today we're going to look at some scripture, and it's all words of Jesus. That was intentional. And it's also the three verses that we're going to look at are all verses that you've probably read before. You're probably very familiar with them. I think I've memorized all of these at one time or another in my life. And so we're not going to un, un, uncover any part of Scripture or any, anything that you've never heard this morning. But these are also Scriptures that, for me, I've never studied them either. And so it's kind of fun to take some stuff that I know and then just dig a little bit deeper and to just look at what does this mean? Am I missing anything from all of this? And maybe we'll see some new things and maybe we won't, but God's going to speak this morning and I hope that he encourages you and gives you hope this morning and reminds you that he does have great things for you. So do you believe it? John 10, 10, Jesus says, the thief does, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. So we're going to break down this verse and just, just talk about it. The first thing Jesus says is, here's what the thief does. Now, earlier in John 10, 10, Jesus tell, calls himself the good shepherd, right? By doing that, he also calls us, his people, his sheep. Now, we all know that sheep are not very intelligent. Well, maybe you don't know, but sheep are not very intelligent creatures. Don't be offended by that. When you really look back on your life, you can agree we make some dumb choices from time to time. So it's okay we don't have to have all the answers as the sheep because we have a good shepherd that watches out for us. But Jesus compares himself as the good shepherd to the, sh the thief. And he says the goal of the thief is to kill, to steal, and destroy. And Jesus says, but I have come for a different reason and a different purpose. A life without Jesus is described as death. Life without Jesus is death. But he says, no, 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 that's not why I'm here. Jesus says, I have come. The first thing we need to note there, maybe you can circle that phrase. Maybe you need God to, God to tell you that this morning. He showed up on the scene on his own. 
He looked at our situation. He saw what the world was like. He saw who you were. And he said, I have to do something about this. This cannot stay the way that it is. And so he chose to step out and to do something about it. That reminds us that we're chosen this morning, that you are valued and you are chosen this morning no matter what you feel like, no matter what the world is telling you, no matter what the circumstances that you're walking through are telling you, you are chosen and valued enough that God chose to send his son for you. That in and of itself is reason to celebrate, is reason to to trust that God's got great things for you. But there's so much more. He didn't just come. He came so that we may have something. Now that word have means to hold or to possess. That we may have it, that it may be ours. Not something borrowed, not something earned, something that we can have. It is given freely. Again, it's just showing us this picture of who God is as this loving father. He continues on. He says that they may have life, okay? That you may have life. Jesus came so that you could have life. In order to have life and give life, you first cannot have it. You must be dead, right? So life is the opposite of death. Scripture says that while we were dead in our sins, Christ died for us. He gave us life. He made you alive in him. He continues on and says, but not just life, but life abundant, more abundantly. That word abundantly, it means over and above, more than is necessary, or I like this word, super added. Everybody say super added. Uh, Your enthusiasm was not super added, but we'll work on that. Super added, I don't know if it's a word, but I love it. That's what the life that Jesus came to give you was not just let me restore what you once had before sin showed up and let me just, let me just put things back to the way they were. But he said, no, 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 I want to give you more. I want more for you, right? That, that, doesn't that describe or show us a picture of a loving God, like a father? Like I look at my kids. I want to give them every opportunity that I can. I want to give them everything that I can possibly give them. I don't want to just give them just enough to get by. I don't want to just provide for them the bare minimum so that they can say, well, I didn't die today. No, the goal is to give them everything that I can, and that's the God that we serve. He wants to give you life super added, life abundant. And as I looked at this, I had to think, well, what does that mean? What is this life Jesus is talking about? I think there's two, two things happening here. The first is a big part of what Jesus did is he came to make us right with God, right? Sin showed up on the scene. Sin caused a separation between us and God. And God said, this cannot be. I do not want this separation between my perfect self and my creation. And so he sent Jesus. And Jesus showed up and Jesus bridged the gap between us and God. He made us right with him as one final sacrifice. Jesus made us right so that one day we could have eternity so that one day we could be with him in heaven, in perfection, forever. So Jesus, the life he's offering and the life he's talking about here refers very much to heaven and eventually. And sometimes for for us, we kind of feel like we're used to that. It's not a big deal. It's just, yeah, yeah, that's that's an eventuality that will happen and, and okay, but it's really hard to wrap our heads around it because we live in a world where the highest of highs, the best of the best that can happen to you, we all know eventually will be followed by the lowest 
of lows. And we know that no matter how good things are, it won't stay that way forever. But eventually, challenges happen and life is hard. And so we look at eternity as this perfectness, this time of, of freedom, this time of, of no sin and no hurt and no pain and, and everything that we talk about. And we look at that and, and we can't wrap our heads around it. Even the idea of eternity and on and on and never getting tired of that and, and just being in God's presence and the goodness that that's going to be, like that should be enough as we really start to think about that to get us pretty excited. That should be enough to say, I mean, I've said it before from up here. If that's all Jesus did was show up and make us right with God so that one day we could be with him and we just have to endure this life, if that's all he did, that should be more than enough for us to get excited, for us to celebrate, and for us to say that's worth it. And we know that Jesus cared about that because Jesus was sent to the cross. The, the, the charges that were brought against him were blasphemy. He claimed to be God because he forgave sin. And the forgiveness of sin had nothing to do with what they were experiencing in this life right now. The forgiveness of sin is what made them right with God so that one day they could have eternity. But Jesus didn't just forgive sin. Jesus went around and he healed people. And he restored people. He brought sight back and he allowed those that were lame to walk and he brought those that, that were hurting peace, sight to the blind. Jesus did all of those things because he doesn't just care about one day, but he cares about your today. He cares about what you're walking through right now. And he's present with you in those moments. Now, you may be sitting here and you may not be feeling that. And I, I get it. I get it but it doesn't make it less true, even though we can't feel it in this moment. Jesus cared about your present life just as much as he cared about your afterlife. And we got to know that this morning. So what does the abundant life that Jesus has for us now, right now look like? We're going to get to that in a little bit. So that's, that's a teaser. You got to wait and we'll get to it around point number three. We'll talk about it a little more. Because for some of us right now, we may be feeling like God's let us down. We may be feeling like things don't make sense. That God had an opportunity, and God has all kinds of opportunities. And we say, God, I prayed, and I tried, and I did all the right things, and I tried to do everything that you said to do, and yet you still did not come through like you're supposed to. What's going on? What is this abundant life that you're supposed to have for me look like because I can't see it right now? Just hang in there. He's still good. He's still present. He still has a plan and he still has great things for us. The next question that I have for you is, can you see it? If you believe it, if you believe, yes, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll believe that God has great things for me here and in eternity, can you see it? I think sometimes we have to change our focus. God's been challenging me with this a lot. There's a lot of times where we get focused on the wrong things. We get worn down. You don't have to watch news very much. You don't have to listen to people very much to all of a sudden you can very easily be bogged down with all that's going on in our world right now. I was listening to the radio the other day. It was Joy FM and Carmen, on the, Carmen came on. It was last Sunday heading home from church. And she talked about changing her perspective, about how God challenged her to rather than saying, I have to do these things, to start saying, I get to do these things. That got me thinking. I get 
to go to work. Not I have to go to work, right? Like it's so easy to, the alarm hits in the morning, you say, oh, I, I have to get up. I gotta get the kids ready. I gotta go to work and I gotta deal with these people and I gotta do these things. This week for me, no, my people that I work, not me, I'm talking other people. A few of the staff weren't very appreciative of that comment. We can so easily work our way through our day feeling like all the things we have to do that all of a sudden everything's got this negative spin as opposed to I get to go to work today. For me this week, I have to preach this week. All right, so I have to study. I have to figure out what I'm gonna say. I have to do all these things. No, 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 I get to preach this week. I get to study. I get to spend time in God's word. I get to dig a little bit deeper. You know, do you have to make dinner? Do you have to make lunch today for your kids, your family? Or do you get to create a culinary experience for them of leftovers and scr- or scrambled eggs? I'm just, I'm just listing the things I can cook. You know, for me this week, My air conditioning went out Monday morning. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm preaching this week. The air would go out on the car. Perfect, all right. I get to buy a new compressor for my car. (laughs) I'm not there yet, but I'm working on it. We'll get there eventually. Because I do know that the end of that's going to be, I get to have air conditioning in my car, which let me tell you, this last week without it does not feel like the abundant life. (laughs) Three o'clock in the afternoon heading home. What about this morning? Did you have to come to church? Did you have to come in here? Do I have to listen to Steve talk? Do I have to listen to the worship team play those songs? Or do you get to be here? Are you blessed to be here today? Not necessarily because of me, but because of each other. Are you blessed? Are you lucky? Are you you thankful that you get to come and you get to be reminded of God's presence in our lives? Are you thankful that, that even in the midst of of sorrow and hurt and pain and frustration that God is still good. Do you get to be here? Or do you have to be here? Sometimes it's just as simple as just a little perspective change to realize that, you know what? I already have the abundant life. I have those things from God already. But sometimes it it takes a little more work. And that's where Matthew 7 comes in. Next verse in our notes, Matthew 7, 7 through 8. Jesus is telling his disciples about prayer. In in Matthew 6, he teaches them the Lord's Prayer. But here he continues on and gives them more information. Tells them a little more how to do it. He says in verse 7, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now I like the repetition of these two verses. Jesus says the same three things two times in a row. Verse 7 says, ask and it will be given. And then verse 8 says, for everyone who asks, receives. He says, seek and you will find. And he who seeks, finds. Verse 7, and it will be, knock and it will be open for you. And in verse 8 it says, and to him who knocks, it will be open. Jesus repeating himself there tells me that there's something important happening here that he doesn't want us to miss. And I'll tell you right off the top, before we start talking about this asking and seeking and knocking, is these are not just three steps to get what you want. Okay? That's not what we're talking about here. This isn't, if you want to get an answer from God and you want God to to help you understand or you want God to do these things in your life, then these are the three things you do. And if you do those things in 10 minutes or less, you're going to get what you want. That's not how it works. 
And most of you, we all probably know that. But we do get so much more when we do these three things in our lives. So the first thing Jesus tells us to do is to ask. To simply ask, to make your request known to God. Big or small, as faith-filled as the prayer may be, or as just throwing it out there to see what happens. Jesus says, ask, and it will be given to you. God's response is that it will be given. What I'd like you to write on the notes somewhere in the space there, I'd like you to write the words, God hears, somewhere in there. God hears. What God is going to give you when you ask is not the answer necessarily to your question or your request, but what God will give you is a reminder that he hears you when you cry out to him. One of my commentaries said, where God finds a praying heart, he will be found a prayer-hearing God. Now, I know that sometimes when we pray, we want the answer, and just to know that God hears us, like that's not enough, but we really need to get our heads wrapped around the idea that that truly is enough. That the fact that the God that made the universe cared enough to first send his son for me, but then also to be present with me and to hear me when I ask for him, And when I ask of him, that's a big deal. That's huge. It may not feel like it all the time, but it is very huge. We need to know that God hears us and that that is an answer. You might be sitting there and you might be saying, yeah, but why doesn't he do what I ask when I ask? I'll just tell you openly, I have no idea. And I would tell you normally to ask Rick or Vern, they probably do, but I ask them too and they don't know either. Because if we knew everything that God did and why God did everything that God did and why he didn't do what he didn't do, then God wouldn't be God anymore. He would be down here on a level with us. We serve a God that his ways are above our ways and the things that he do, does, the things that he does are higher and we can't understand it. I know that that doesn't help us feel any better. I know that that's not the answers that we always want, but a lot of times God gives us what we need, not what we want. For me, this is where I tend to stop in my prayer life. I tend to say, God, I'm going to give it to you, and then I'm going to trust you. And if you don't do it, I'm okay with that because I trust you. And if you do, then that's great too. And I just kind of request it, and I I leave it be. I want to get out of the way, and I I just surrender. I, I give it to you. And for me, that, that, that always felt like that, that was faith. But Jesus doesn't say, just ask once and then don't pester the Lord. He says, keep asking. I read as I was studying it, one of the commentaries said that we're supposed to ask as a beggar asks for alms. A beggar doesn't just ask one time for the day and then just set the cup there and then be quiet. No, 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 he keeps begging. He keeps asking. He keeps coming back. He keeps asking. And that's how we're to pray. That's how we're to ask. We keep coming back. It's not a one and done thing. And that's something God's been challenging me and my heart on lately. The second thing that he tells us to do is to seek. We're called to seek. But see, what we're seeking in this moment is not necessarily answers and not not necessarily the things that we want. But what we're seeking is we're seeking out God's presence. We're seeking out who he is. We're trying to figure out, is this prayer that I'm asking, like, is this this right? Is this good? Is, Is this thing that I want, is it in the Lord's will? And so we seek after him. Seeking is active. It's not passive. That's, that's where I always stopped. I, I'd give and then I'd get out of the way. But God says, no, 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 seek after me. And God's response is that we will find what we seek. I'd like you to write the words God's presence right there somewhere. So first, we're reminded when we ask that God hears. And then second, we're reminded that God is present. 
as we seek after him, he will be found. So you see, what we're finding as we seek is that we're seeking out God's presence. We're not seeking out the answer that we need to the situation that we're going through. We're seeking out a God that wants to be found. And when it comes down to it, that's bigger than the question that we're asking. That's bigger than the need that we're looking for. And then the last thing that he says is knock. And I like this one. But in order to get to the knocking, you have to first ask, and then you have to first seek. It's progressive. And then you get to knock. Now, the knocking can sometimes be the hardest part because sometimes the door doesn't open as quickly as you want. But I think in the midst of knocking at a door, we need to be reminded that God doesn't tell us to knock at a wall. He doesn't say, go to the wall and just start knocking against the wall. He says, no, no, knock at a door. Because while the purpose of a door is to keep some things out, the door's job is also to open. And the desire of God is to open the door to us. It's not like how I treat many solicitors that come to my door, right? They'll come to the house and they'll knock at the door and then they stand 10 feet away from me, which I think is funny, and I open the door and they'll say, hi, sir, I just want to let you know that we're in the neighborhood and uh, we're going to be installing some new windows down the street at at the Johnson's house. There's no Johnson's down the street, but they're going to do that, right? We just wanted to let you know we're going to be making a little noise down the street. Right. That's why you're here. Just, you're so courteous to me, sir. But while I was just passing down the street on this 95-degree summer day, I noticed that you have your original windows on your house. and We're very concerned about that and just wanted to let you know that, you know, if you wanted a free quote, we could provide that. We're not selling anything. Just provide this free quote which I'd always say, no, I can't afford it. Oh, we've got great financing options. I say, I can't afford those either. Well, well, don't you want new windows? Well, no, not right now. I like the originals. We like to keep everything in our home originals to the 1980s when it was built. And it's just, it's more of a, you know, going back to the basics kind of thing. Eventually, they, they often leave and I don't invite those people in. I continue to shut the door as they continue to talk to me sometimes. Sometimes when my wife's around, We don't even answer the door, and instead she yells through our single-pane windows for them to hear loudly, kids, don't answer the door! Just pretend we're not home! It's always fun to kind of peek through the, the door and see how the people react to that one. But that doesn't describe how God desires us to knock. right? You compare that to nights we have small group, and our small group comes over to the house. The common thing that people do when they come to the house is they knock twice and they just open the door because it's already unlocked and in they come. Some of them, if they're new, they maybe wait a little bit. Some of them, if their kids come first, the kids don't even knock and in they come. (laughs) And that's great. There's a big difference between someone coming to my house unannounced to try to sell me something and someone that I know I've invited over to my house. And Jesus has invited you to come and to knock. And we keep knocking because the end goal of opening the door for a friend to come over is not to talk with them outside while I stay inside my house, but the end goal is for them to come into my house and to spend time together. So God's response when we knock is to open the door. And this is a reminder, you can write these two words, that God cares. That God cares about you. I love what Caleb said this morning, that Jesus knowing everything he would do, knowing that, hey, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. He could have just not and said, you guys, stop crying, it's fine. 
No, he entered in to where they were at and he wept with them. And he understood how they were feeling. And I don't know what you're walking through right now, but you need to know that we serve a God that is present with you, that hears you, and most of all, he cares about what you're going through right now. And you are not alone in any of this. God's desire is to open the door and invite you in. Bless you. The purpose of prayer is not to get what we want. It is not to get what we ask for. It is to come into the presence of God and be reminded that he is with us every step of the way. As we pray, as we seek, as we ask, as we knock, as we do all of those things, we are reminded that even if God doesn't do what we want him to do, that he is still good, he is still in control, he is still on the throne, and that he is still desiring a relationship with each of us. And I know that that's hard sometimes. And I know that, that it would just feel better if he would just do the things that we want him to do and that would work out well. But we have to trust that we serve a God that is making all things good. He's still faithful. He's still present. Persistent prayer brings me into the presence of God consistently. That is God's desire for you. He is still good. So the third question I have for you, if you can see it, if you can believe it, is are you living it? Are you living it? Can others see it? Can others see that you believe that you have the abundant life, that God has great things for you, and he's given you a lot of those great things already? A few years ago, shoot, I say a few years ago, I was 15, so 20 years ago, we were in North Carolina, and uh, my parents have a place up there, and, and we were out on the boat, and the gas gauge for the boat didn't work so well. And the lake that we, that we go on up there, it's not like a big round lake, it's like used to be a river that they put a dam on, and so it's super long and windy, and you can be far, far away from home, and we happened to be when we ran out of gas. So we floated our way to a marina, by this time it was dark. No one's there, middle of nowhere, didn't hear any banjos, but um, we decided, or dad said, well, Steve and I, we'll just start walking. You guys stay with the boat, and eventually we'll find our way back to the truck, and we'll, we'll bring everything, you know, come get you all. Okay, so we start walking, and I'm just like, okay, cool, neat adventure, here we go. I, I'm walking, and I'm trying to keep up with my dad, and he's trying to keep up with me, and eventually he says, hey, we got to slow down. And I said, I'm just trying to keep pace with you. And he said, I'm keeping pace with you. And I said, well, all right, let's slow down. And him realizing we've got a lot longer journey ahead of us than, than I did. Eventually we get back to the main road. It's dark. We're walking. And I think to myself, well, cool. I get my first hitchhiking experience. Look at the bright side here. So car would come up and I would try to turn and look as non-threatening and childlike as possible. And they just drive on past. And I'd be thinking, come on, it's okay, we're Christians, we're not going to kill you or do anything weird, like we just need a ride and whatever. And whew, Eventually I stopped turning around, just walking, walking for what felt like hours. For the purpose of this story, I will say it was two hours. You don't know, you weren't there. Um, <laughs> I don't know how long it was, but it was a long time. Eventually somebody did pull over. And they said, what's going on? We told them the story. He said, well, hop in. 
Dad said, the house is over here. If you can just get us to the house, then we can walk up to the, where we've got the boat and, or the truck and trailer. Guy said, no, I'll take you all the way back there. I know that place. Guy took us all the way back. And I remember thinking as we're driving, we are still so far from where we need to end up. Like, had they not picked us up, we would have been walking all night. And I reflected on that story, and I had to think there were, there were two reasons for why I don't ever remember being afraid or fearful. And the first was that I didn't know how far away we were. And I'm glad I did it, because had I known how many steps we'd have to take, had I known how far we were, I don't know that I'd have wanted to take that first step. And so there are moments in our lives when we want God to give us all the answers and to help us see all the things and to just know, just let me know your plan, that there are sometimes God doesn't give us all that information. And some of that's his grace. Because his grace is sufficient enough to get us through to the next step or the next day. And we need to rely on that. The other reason that I don't ever remember feeling any fear is because I knew who was walking beside me. I was with my dad. I don't want to get emotional, but... I knew he was there. I knew that if, if he had it under control and he wasn't afraid, I'll be okay. This may be a lot of walking. I actually asked him the other day. I said, hey, you remember that? He, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, were you, ever, were you afraid or fearful? You know, it was my dad and your son. We're going to hitchhike and all this and that. He goes, no. I go, really? He goes, what, what was our other option? Was, was that a walk? It was walk or, or do nothing? Like, he's pretty matter of fact like that. Like, he's just kind of, that's what it is. But I remember, like, thinking about that, there was no fear because I knew who was with me. I knew who I was with. And I knew whether he had it under control or not, I felt like he did. And so let's just go. This is an adventure. Let's see what happens. And I think for a lot of us, we need to be reminded this morning who walks with us, who is present with us. Every step of the way, you are not alone. You are chosen you are seen, you are valued, and it has nothing to do with what you've done, who you are. You can't earn it, so don't even try. You also can't run from it. You're valued this morning. John 16, Jesus is encouraging his disciples in this moment. This is during the Last Supper, and they're preparing to, to eat and be together. And he says in John 16, 33, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So the first thing Jesus tells his disciples as he's wrapping all of this up and he's explaining to them all the things that he's trying to teach them and tell them and prepare them for the moments when he's gone is he said, I told you all of this so that you may have peace. God's desire for you is peace, but the peace is not found in your circumstances. He doesn't say, I've told you all these things so that you will have a peaceful life filled with easy decisions. He didn't say that. He said, I told you all these things so that you will have peace in me. See, in this moment, Judas is gone. Jesus already told him, hey, go do what you're going to do. And Judas is off. He's talking to the priests. He's telling them where Jesus is. He's telling them how he's going to betray Jesus and how they're getting soldiers together. In this moment, Jesus is aware that soon he'll be arrested, he'll be forsaken, he'll be rejected, mocked, humiliated, tortured, and eventually executed. He knew that everyone on this earth that loved him would abandon him and that there would be a moment where he even felt that God abandoned him. Jesus knew all of that that was to come 
And yet here in this moment, he's not only talking about peace, but he's modeling peace to his disciples. And he's promising them, you will have trouble. You see, peace he offers, you can have peace. Trouble's gonna come. Trouble's gonna come. So how are you gonna endure that trouble? You see, often we feel like we go through life and then we, we want Jesus and we say, all right, you've got this abundant life for me. I want that abundant life. I want that upgraded life. Like, have you ever you know, rented a car and then they upgraded you for free or you, you got, a, got a hotel room and they're like, oh, let's put you in the, in the upgraded suite or, you know, oh, you're in the back of the plane. We've got some free sp- early spots up, up front. You know, we'll put you in first class. Have you ever been upgraded? Anyone? 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 I don't like any of you. I've never had that happen to me. <laughs> I told that in first service, and Rick said, well, what about Amy? She was an upgrade from the other girls you dated. And I was like, all right, all right. You got me there. It's true. It's true. The best upgrade other than my wife that I ever happened to was I th- one time we rented a car, and I think it was one of those places where they said, just go pick any car out in the lot. You know, any car in this row is the one you can get. So I took my sweet time picking the best one that I could get. But so often, we feel like we've got our life, and then God's abundant life is this upgraded version, like where there is peace and security and stability and ease and comfort. And we're like, that's the life I want. Give me that abundant life. Yes, sign me up. But see, what we're looking for is eternity. Like, that's the perfection of eternity. And so we're expecting the eternity that God has for us here on earth, and it doesn't happen. That's, that's not the way it works. Like, you, it, it's not going to happen. Jesus promised you will have trouble. You will have struggle. It will be hard. But he reminds them, take heart. Hang in there. Keep your heads up. I have overcome the world. So in all of this, Jesus says, it's not an upgraded life. The abundant life is not a life that, that is just better and easier and more comfortable than the life that you have now. The abundant life is a life where Jesus walks with us every step of the way. Now, if you hear that this morning and you say, that's not good enough, Steve, then I'd really encourage you to ask, to seek, and to knock because the truth of the matter is that that is better than anything we ever deserve and that is better than anything we could ever handle. To have a savior that already overcame the world say that he will walk with us through it, I'll take that all the time over going through it on my own. He says, I will provide for you and I will take care of you and I will give you what you need. I found this quote and I thought, oh, this is so good. The abundant life is above all the contented life in which our contentment is based upon the fact that, get this, that God is equal to every emergency and is able to supply all our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I'll take it. I want that. So if you sit here this morning and I'm telling you the abundant life is not an upgraded life, but the abundant life is your life with a savior that is present with you every step of the way and you say, that's not good enough, you've got some searching to do and some seeking to do. And I just want to remind you that his presence is everything. It's everything. And that's what he offers to each and every one of us. I'll take it. I'll take a God that will hopefully help me to make a little bit better decisions than what I would have made on my own. I'll take a God that says, listen, I've got strength to get you through today, and tomorrow we'll talk about tomorrow. But right now, I am present with you, 
That's the God that we serve. That's the abundant life that he has for you. If you'll accept it. He promises troubles, but he offers peace.